0: Hello, and welcome back to the Irish Football Fans Podcast. After a short break, after the new year, myself, Mark Kennedy uh, from Hawkeye Psychic and Phil Flanagan from the bottomless Pit of football are rested and recharged and looking forward to the return of international football uh, at the end of March. But before that, there was a little matter of the January 2022 transfer window, which saw no less than 35 transfers 27 loans for Irish players, and two more players started their coaching careers. As well as that, two friendlies were announced for Stephen Kenny's team, which will see Ireland face Belgium in the centenary game, followed up by a friendly against Lithuania. We'll have a a brief chat about that at the end of the episode, building up to a more comprehensive discussion uh, closer to the games themselves in March. Mark Feltz, good to talk to you again. Uh, How are you both doing?
1: All good now, Joe. Um, best wishes to everyone for the year ahead. I don't know if I can say Happy New Year. We're into February now. so, But uh, yeah, you know what I mean.
2: Ah, Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> OK,
0: so as I said, there was uh, 35 transfers uh, for Irish players uh, across the month, uh, beginning with uh, Daniel Carey signing for uh, St Johnston, and right up uh, until just yesterday when Kieran O'Hara was announced to have signed for Fleetwood Town. Mark, uh, was there any of the transfers or loans across the month that stood out for
1: you? I suppose we can start from the start, lads. I mean, uh, I'm happy to see quite a few guys that need the game time um, moving. One particularly, Aaron Connolly. We've spoke about him at length in this podcast. He needs to get out of Brighton and Old Albion. And he arrives at the R- Riverside in Middlesbrough uh, under Chris Wilder. In the midst of a promotion battle. So that'll be interesting to see if he can get into the first team and make a contribution there. Some fledging guys, Jacob Bryan, who's in our under 20, 21 squads, again signed for Town from Crystal Palace. Uh, again, I think that's a nice move for him just to kind of get, um, more experience. There's been various ones, obviously the Jamie McGrath, but I suppose Phil, any other signings, loan
2: signings come to you? McGraw was the big one, as you mentioned. Connolly, Connolly, it was great to see Connolly actually get out of Brighton, and start playing some football. Jeff Hendrick is the other one because he's he's been so good for our midfield recently. It's great to finally see him get out of Newcastle, moving down to the Championship. But I wouldn't really mind that. There's not much of a difference between the bottom three clubs in the Premier League and the top half of the Championship these days anyway. If you put them side by side, bear the money. Just really hoping for Hendrick now that. They use him correctly because, as we've seen with Newcastle and Burnley, even that he just the last two signings, the last two transfers he's had, he hasn't been used correctly at all. You know, he hasn't been used right. He's been put out in the right wing kind of. He was that happened at Burnley. He's in now at the team at Newcastle, kind of playing all over the midfield. So, kind of hoping they bought him now to play him in his actual position, and he gets settled and gets a good run of games before March. And um, so that was. That was the big one for me, along with McGrath, obviously.
0: For me, I would have to look at some of the strikers that that moved. I'd agree with you that Aaron Connolly's move potentially has the biggest uh, impact for the Irish team. Playing at Middlesbrough, pushing for uh, pushing for promotion, either automatically. I think there's only going to be one automatic spot available in the Championship. Fulham are looking as good as promoted at this stage and scoring freely and not, and at, at one end and not conceding at the other. Uh, and it looks like that second automatic spot is up for grabs from anyone between second and sixth. Um, and Middlesbrough will be hoping that it, uh, his goals can kind of push them into that second spot. Cam Kavanagh, uh, who's also at Middlesbrough now, and uh, <clears throat> has gone out on loan to Harrogate Town in League Two, looks really interesting as well. Uh, he's been scoring freely for the under-18 and under-23 sides. At the Riverside, and maybe he's not quite ready for Championship football, and he's not quite ready to have the the weight of a champion or a promotion push on his shoulders. But you know, he'll get experience at that level of football and come back in the in the summer and challenge uh, for a, a spot up front for Borough. One other one that that caught my eye, and again, it's a striker, and it's Ryan Cassidy going on loan from Watford to Bohemians ahead of the new League of Ireland season. You know, he went out on loan last season, scored a couple of goals, but unfortunately picked up a nasty injury and was only just had only recently returned to to full health um, and was uh, back playing for their under twenty three side. They've lost a couple of players in the um, the close season um, and are looking to to rebuild or to so that they can you know push on this season and push on to maybe challenge for a spot in Europe, which they're going to miss out on this uh, in in the summer. And uh, lastly, I just want to mention former, Bo- uh, just a former Bohemians player, Ali Regba, who's uh, who's uh, signed for an Algerian club. And my apologies for the, the pronunciation on this one. Shabab Riyadi de Belu is that? Almost certainly the first Irish player to play for them. It's an interesting move, and it, like it might have it's, you know consequences for the Ireland team, given that Regba himself does qualify to play for Algeria. So. You know maybe while he's while he's playing there could have his head turned by the the Algerian national side he'll actually play in the the African champions League uh this year now after the move, so except the standard of football that would bring him into the thoughts of Stephen Kenny.
2: It's hard to know because one thing I've noticed this january i, I don't know is it down to brexit or whatever or under you under 18s not being able to move to England as freely now or not at all, but there seems to be an awful lot of um Young Irish international is moving away from from Britain, an awful lot. So, more scouts may be needed. Um, but there's an awful lot of players to keep an eye on. So you wonder will he just be a bit too far out of reach to keep an eye on? I'm sure he'll, Kenny would have a passing a passing look at him. But there's an awful lot of talent elsewhere well in Europe and around Britain at the moment coming through. So, be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, we thought when um, Sim. St. Patrick's defender, James, uh, and again, my apologies if his name is is mispronounced, James, uh, a banquet signed for Udinese, that that would be the biggest transfer involving an Irish and Italian teams in this particular window. Now, James is actually going to spend the first half of the season on loan at St. Patrick's Athletic until June, so he can complete his leaving cert. And then right at the end of the window, um, when people were thinking that a deal that had been mooted finally went through and under 17 captain and Cork City defender, Carl Heffernan signed for AC Milan on loan. Uh, I think he's probably the first uh, Irish player to go to AC Milan on loan. Um, And, you know, with a view to completing a a full transfer in the summer. Um, Now we've mentioned Brexit and that it means that players uh, who are under 18, uh, so won't be able to uh, go, or you know, in most cases, uh, players born in Ireland who are under uh, 18 years of age um, won't be going over to sign for academy teams, and we could start to see them signing for teams across mainland Europe. Uh, Heffernan was linked not just with, with Milan, but also with teams in the Bundesliga. So now that we have we have two players signed with Syria clubs, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the long term progression of it is. You know, does will it mean that Teams, not just from Syria, but from the Bundesliga, from the 1, or, the, or the La Liga, will start to send scouts to to the, the Kennedy Cup or to watch DDSL games.
1: It's already happening, Joe. Mm-hmm. I think scout networks are well established with these big football clubs, particularly in continental Europe. Yeah. You know, really casting the net out there and giving Ireland underage you know, success, brand of football, to long and stuff like that. I think... Irish football will be in a very healthy place because definitely if the players coming through our grassroots structures are, if they're attracting like Sir so Cahill Heffern's great story with AC Milan signing up there in the last few days, that's kind of a template there for AC Milan and other Serie A clubs, Udinese as well to really come and score, uh, here and I would agree with Phil, it's already happening, I think the scouts there's definitely scouts on the ground here and if you're good enough at an underage level, I think Going to continental Europe is so much more beneficial to the players' development than it would be
2: uh, going to the UK. Um, I, I think it's a it's a great alternative right now. I'm sure there there's boots on the ground already having a look at some of our top talent. And Mark brought up the Toulon tournament. like That was one thing Kenny pushed for, to go to that tournament. And that's it puts your youth in the spotlight. It's one of the top youth tournaments in the world. There was probably scouts there and they thought, well, we like to look at these these underage lads, let's go have a look in in their domestic league. So, yeah, could be something that gets bigger and bigger, I'd imagine. Actually, it
1: was 2019, Phil. Um, They played Mexico, Bahrain, Brazil and China. Yeah. So, you know, again, that's great exposure for the guys.
0: Yeah. I actually, I wasn't overly impressed with the performance in that tournament. I thought we played well against China and I think China actually sent their under-23 team. But then we struggled to score for the rest of the tournament, and Mexico beat us twice, uh, once in the groups and once in the uh, in the knockout stages. Uh, uh, we didn't score against Mexico, and I did, do remember thinking at the time that, okay, look, Mexico, they've, uh, they always have a, a very strong underage and senior setup, and we do struggle to beat them at any level. Um, but playing them twice in such a very short space of time, we didn't seem to have learned anything from the first game. Uh, but, look... Um, it was just it was just my opinion uh, after the tournament, possibly a bit hypercritical. I did think overall we played well, and I remember Conor Ronan uh, especially stood out for me in that tournament. Uh, yeah, just looking at players that we would consider for uh, first-team footballers, for the senior team, uh, I think Jeff Hendricks moved to QPR. The situation at Newcastle seems to change almost on a, a week-to-week or a day-to-day basis, and it did look like he was out of favour with, uh, with Eddie Howe. Um, they did sign some midfield players in the transfer window, so going to QPR, again uh, like like Aaron Connolly going to Middlesbrough, a team that are pushing for uh, automatic promotion. It's you know He did play championship football at the start of his career with Derby, and he was uh, definitely well able for it. Even though he wasn't playing regularly for Newcastle, he seemed to be uh, still one of the best pla or one of the better players, uh, in Stephen Kenny's team. I am um, you know, watching the move to QPR with interest.
1: Exactly, exactly uh, Joe, joining Jimmy Dunn as well, has been playing outstandingly well for QPR this season at the back. Uh, I don't know if he's a dark horse for any squad inclusion anytime soon. But again, it's going from an environment where it's a relegation battle, where you're now getting into the midst of a playoff uh, promotion push. And I mean, you saw Connor Horahan with Swansea last season, you know, revitalized a player's career. So we'd hope Jeff Hendrick, you know, provided, um, provided QPR and the management to play him in the right position and attacking midfielding role. I think there's no reason why QPR can't be really challenging for the playoff spots, uh, May.
2: Yeah, the, the, uh, our midfield is starting to look really healthy and could be looking really good by the end of February if, if McGrath and Hendrick hit the ground running like Hurland is is doing seriously well at Sheffield. Alan Brown is having a good season. Josh Cullen is having a good season. So you throw in McGrath and Hendrick into the mix there and you've got, you know, you've got five good midfielders all potentially playing well, potentially playing regularly. And um, so that's a huge plus as well because it's options, you know, it's, it's, it's options in formation and it's options in resting players as well. Uh, Look at the other side
0: of the transfer window. Were there any players who didn't move that you thought should have moved um, and are now, you know, facing an uncertain future? for the next six months until the, the transfer window reopens in, in June.
1: Joe, I would have probably said I either up until about maybe three to four weeks ago. And then he's started getting a string of first-team games at Norwich City, and all of a sudden we're seeing Norwich City getting into a bit of a kind of an unbeaten run. And likes of Chris Sutton, well in the know Norwich City, is praising Adam Eda. So I think from that perspective, he's probably probably one I thought might need to leave, but he's getting his game time now. Um the only other one I can probably think of, and I think this is just being selfish for my part, Gavin Bazunu at Portsmouth. I don't feel Portsmouth are going to do anything in the League One uh, this season. He's being a standout for Portsmouth. Uh, I was wondering if Manchester Manchester City. I've missed a trick here in terms of Bazunu, maybe kind of switching him up to the Championship level, well equipped in League One. Um But apart from that, I think other people have gone. like of Connor Coventry has left West Ham for MK Dons. He's joining up with uh, Troy Parrot. Uh, Tyreek Wright as well left Salford City I think having a disastrous season uh, gone to Colchester League too so I think these would be the only other guys and maybe Mipu, Mipu Odobiku as well was sitting in, on the bench in Huddersfield and that was quite quickly gone to Doncaster Rovers Doncaster finished in terms of League 1 so I think there's no pressure there for Odobiku. if he can score a few goals get in the shop window for the summer uh, that might be the aim there so
0: I I think I read that Pizunas' contract, loan contract with Portsmouth, simply said he can't be recalled by City unless there's a lack of goalkeepers available to Pep Guardiola. So they couldn't just decide to call him back on a whim. I, no, I, I'm I'm happy to see him finish the season at Portsmouth. He's playing regularly. Uh, he's playing really well. Um, I think he's going to go on loan again next season. He might go to a Championship club. He might be sent to one of the the sister clubs or one of the other clubs in the the city football group um i don't, i don't think he's going to be pushing for um the keeper's jersey at man city i think is probably going to be there for at least another 2 years um but but from the way that he's been handled by uh by guardiola and by the the coaching the, the academy the coaching and academy staff at city like he's definitely uh, a long-term project there um. So yeah, I mean, there are there better clubs than Portsmouth for him to be at. Possibly, am I disappointed? I still at Portsmouth. Not really. Like he's, you know, he's he's 19. He'll turn 20, uh, in February, in in three weeks' time, and he's played more games this season than Cleveland Kelleher has played in his career. Like similar to to what you said about Adam, Ida, Mark, Creven Callagher was one I thought. Maybe should have gone out on loan, but I, you know, Allison's uh, unavailability for for Jurgen Klopp is shown where Kelleher sits in the pecking order. He is their 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 backup keeper, and it would be rare for any team to send, a, uh, you know, the player in that position out on loan because an injury or suspension to their their number one choice leaves them very short-handed. Uh, looking down through the the squad list from the the two games in. November against Portugal and Luxembourg. I think possibly Nathan Collins is another one that you thought might have gone out on loan. He's very much part of the first team squad at Burnley, but not playing regularly uh, for Sean Dyke's side. And they're not doing well in the Premier League this season. I to stay up because they just have that experience. But yeah, I thought maybe a loan move might might suit him. Bill, was there anyone you thought should have moved or was disappointed to still be in the same club they were at,
2: at the, on January 1st? Well, I think just going back to Mark's point, I think we all thought about a month ago or less. We all thought Adam to should get out of Norwich as quickly as possible. But he's obviously he's got his two or three games and he's he's impressed. He's got his his goal as assist and I'm sure he's had a conversation with the manager where he's be, he has to have been given some assurances that he's going to get a certain amount of minutes because I don't think he would have stayed otherwise because he's at a critical juncture in his career now he sees Connolly moving to Middlesbrough and he's thinking I don't want to fall down the pecking order in, for the the senior team anymore and he needs games so um you don't know is he doing the right thing you would hope he got assurances um I was surprised Amabamadele wasn't spoken of at all really in January because he doesn't seem to be getting that much game time either, um, just in and out, I thought he would have made a move. And, yeah, Matt Doherty was full sure he'd be turfed out of Spurs. But, obviously, they didn't bring in as many players as they wanted, and they're very thin on the ground, so he's been kept. But I'm sure he had his bags packed for the whole of January, expecting to maybe go back to Wolves. So, God knows what's going to happen with him now for the rest of the season.
1: Doherty does seem to be getting regular. Game minutes, though. It's himself and
2: Royale, isn't it? Yeah.
1: In that fullback spot and Conte wouldn't have been playing him otherwise, you know, if he didn't rate the player. I mean, he did have maybe some difficult moments in the Caribou Cup against Chelsea, but certainly he's provided a bit of... Um, I remember the Leicester City game, you know, he was pretty prominent. He got,
2: that, he get, he got that assist, with half assist.
1: Which is good. And I think going back to Nathan Collins as well, Joe, I mean, I don't know, like... Burnley, I thought we were going to sell James Tarkovsky in this transfer window. And I think it was right up until the last minute that Burnley um, refused a few last minute offers for Tarkovsky. So as a result, I think Nathan Collins, I still think Nathan Collins will play some game, minutes definitely towards the end of the season. But I do get your point, Joe. It may have been kind of a nice move for him, but I think he's a, a fairly established defender. Into the championship, so I think Sean Deutsch will give him his opportunity because of Ben Mee and Tarkowski. They've been a bit injury prone this season, those two guys. So I think um, maybe more to come from Nathan Collins, I'd say.
0: Yeah, with Tarkowski coming to the end of his contract in Burnley and rumoured to be leaving in the summer, you'd expect Collins definitely to be uh first team regular next season. You know, he's only played eight games or this season for Burnley after playing 27 and 17 in the previous two seasons for Stoke. You'd have to imagine he's disappointed with that amount of games, but you know, with an eye towards the long-term development of his career, he's probably not too disappointed. Just kind of looking at the maybe at the players on the fringe of the squad and what uh, moves that what moves that were made that might have an impact on them. You know, Cyrus Christie going on loan to to Swansea. I don't think he's going to be uh, replacing Seamus Coleman or Matt Doherty in that right full or right wing back spot but playing regularly i think you'll you know will make him more of an attractive uh squad selection i think uh an interesting one as well is uh leo O'Connor, you know he's he's left celtic completely now yeah and signed turned his loan move at tramway rovers into a, a full transfer i doubt he's going to get called up playing league two football but with his club situation um a bit more organised or a bit more fine than it has been uh, since he left Manchester United to sign for Celtic. Maybe we can start to see him climb the the divisions a little bit. Tramir possibly could be promoted, and then I think that will put him definitely put him back in the manager's thoughts. Um, another interesting thing actually about the move to Tramere is that he's transitioned a bit from a from a fullback into playing in that holding role in front of the, the defence and behind midfield which is uh some a position that I hadn't really associated with him but um again seems to be playing very well there
2: most of the players that were involved in the Portugal and the Luxembourg games now seem to be in first team football or going into first team football now in the new year which is which is a great sign really um but um, well, yeah if you, you know,
0: just if you look down to the squ- to the, the squad Gambezino obviously playing regularly for Portsmouth Travers, um, you know, at the start of the season, people wondered if he would be part of the first team uh, picture at Bournemouth. But he's uh, the most clean sheets in the championship and um definitely going to look like they're uh, on almost the cert to finish in the playoff positions and pushing for uh that second automatic promotion spot. Kelleher, you know, we discussed at Liverpool. He's not playing regularly for them, but he is their backup coleman has kind of faded from the the everton first team picture in the last couple of weeks be interesting to see how the the change in management um affects uh his status in the club um although from what you hear about people familiar with the the setup at Everton was that if if the rest of the team were as dedicated as he was like they wouldn't have any issues there Duffy is uh, again kind of got back into the Brighton team, but um, again, in the last maybe six to eight weeks, uh, he's been in and out of the team. Uh, Darty at Spurs, uh, you know, six weeks ago he seemed to be leaving the club, but now uh, he's definitely, you know, he's playing more for the new manager than he had been. Um, And. You know they've sold uh, one of the other defenders. Stevens and Egan are playing regularly at Sheffield United. Uh, Omar Um you know, unfortunately he did pick up an a eye injury at Norwich, but uh, we'll see uh, how it affects how it, how that affects him. I think Norwich, there's nothing left to lose. I mean, if they keep doing what they're doing, they're just going to get relegated with with less points. I mean, just try anything. So I can definitely see him playing um, first team football before the end of the season. Manning is playing regularly for Swansea. You know Collins. We've discussed that Burnley hasn't played uh, much this season, but we do think that you know in the in the long term, um, he will be part of the the first team picture. Uh, McLean uh, at Wigan and uh, Will Keane uh, playing regularly, and you know now joined by by Jamie McGrath. Hendricks moves to QPR. I think it's going to be a positive for him. Carlo Modauda is kind of in and out of the Bristol team. He just kind of seems to be injured a lot. You know, every every manager seems to have their blind spot for a particular player, and I think Carlo Medauda is that player for Stephen Kenny. Uh, you know, he keeps talking him up, but I, I don't really see him delivering on the pitch what Stephen Kenny says he can do. He actually has 23 caps, which is pretty impressive, actually it's um, certainly a lot more than I thought he, he had done.
2: At one stage he was like our technical player. Yeah, you know, he was our only technical player, yeah. like lauded him for his skill, his dribbling ability, but just always, always on the the injury table. Yeah.
0: I think probably out of the entire midfield players that were named in in the squad in November, Darl Horgan and Jack Taylor are the only players who aren't playing regularly. Cullen playing regularly for Anderlecht, Brown at Preston. Jason Knight at Derby and Albany really delivering for Rotherham in the last couple of weeks. If you read any the Rotherham discussion on Twitter or on message boards, I know you're not really ever going to get reasoned debate from them. But they did seem to appreciate how Albany was playing, but just that he was failing to deliver an end product. And he seems to have turned that around in the last couple of weeks with goals and assists. And then finally up front, Callum Robinson doing well at West Brom. Adam Ida has broken his his Premier League duck, and um, I'd say he's going to be a big part of the second half of Norwich's season. Troy Paris at MK Dons kind of was out of the side and is now back in the side. You know he's turning 20 uh, in a couple of days' time, and he's going to have to start delivering uh, on his on his promise and scoring regularly if he wants to get into the Spurs starting eleven when he goes when he goes back to to Tottenham in the summer. If you look across the squad of players that were named in uh in November, it's only really Kelleher, Collins, Otauda, Oregon and Taylor that are not playing regular first team football or you know you could definitely say are not part of the, the first team picture at their their respective clubs. So yeah, I think we're definitely in a stronger position than we were twelve months ago. And I suppose that leads things nicely into the two games that uh, were announced by the FAI for the the end of March. Um, We're going to be facing the number ranked team in the world, Belgium, on Saturday, March 26th. And then uh, three days later, we're going to be facing Lithuania, who are ranked 136th in the world uh, at Aviva Stadium on Tuesday, March 29th. The last time we talked, we did discuss possible opponents for the, for Stephen Kenny in the new year. I don't think either of us picked Belgium or Lithuania, but I'm definitely looking forward to the two games. Now, Belgium apparently will not be bringing all of their superstar players. We might not see Kevin De Bruyne or Romelu Lukaku playing, but they're the number-ranked side in, in, in the world for a reason, and they're going to be among the favorites for the World Cup in November. Mark, what did you think of the, the two opponents?
1: Yeah, they're quite contrasting, aren't they, Joe? I mean, number one in 106 in the world. I mean, regardless of who Belgium bring over, they will have a quality side. And it'd be a good test for us. I mean, much in that Portuguese kind of fixture realm, you know, it will set us up nicely, particularly for our Nations League uh, encounter against Ukraine, and particularly Scotland as well. You know, our defensive shape, our setup's going to have to be spot on here. Hopefully we can see a little bit more intent, you know, with our passing, particularly middle third. Little bit of final third end product. So I think regardless of who Roberto Martinez does, uh, assemble there, I think that would be a very good exercise. And as regards to Lithuania, like they're 106 in the world now. I mean, their qualification campaign was pretty disastrous. They won one win and that was against Bulgaria, 3-1. And that was on the third, third last fixture. I mean, some of the stats, they scored four goals, conceded 19. They only have 38.25% possession according to the lovely uefa.com website. And to be honest with us, guys, we should be looking to really hammer home a good win here. Good confidence booster for Nations League. So maybe the Lithuanian angle is we're going to be facing Ukraine and Armenia. Um But I'm not sure if that is going to be the real tail of the tape when we meet Armenia and also Ukraine. But maybe it's a good confidence boosting win there. I would expect a few goals going in against uh, Lithuania for sure. Uh, no Northern Ireland put four past them in filling us. And also they won the Home Lake 1-0 as well, Northern Ireland, in Group C. So I think all in all, two contrasting fixtures, but two nice t- different tests, I think. One from the defensive side and one from the attacking side.
2: Yeah, I think there, um, there are a couple of clever fixtures because obviously we want to keep that momentum going and that bounce from the last few games, Portugal and the Luxembourg games. So getting a big name in to play first, getting buns on seats and really putting it up to challenging ourselves against one of the best teams in the world it's the right thing to do and then coming off the back of hopefully some sort of positive performance playing a team like lithuania who you would expect to score goals against so i think they're cleverly they're 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 two good picks for friendlies i think
0: Uh, i i'd agree with that i'm not sure what we're going to get against belgium um i think it'll be a good test for the team in the qualifying group for the world cup Probably our two best performances uh, were away to Portugal and away to, to Serbia. Two home games, I know we got a, a, a draw in both. Um, but I, I felt that we could push on for a win, especially against Serbia. And so, yeah, look, we've been playing against a similarly high-ranked side. And, you know, it would be nice to get a, a win Um in front of the home fans as well, which is still overdue. And if it doesn't come against Belgium, you'd have to imagine it's going to come against Lithuania. We haven't played them in a while. Uh, The last game was in 1997. The only thing remarkable about the game was it was our first away win uh, against a side ranked higher than us in a competitive international since FIFA introduced the new ranking system in late 1993. The win against Italy in the World Cup uh, only less than 12 months later was uh, was officially uh, on neutral territory. When the squad is announced, we'll discuss the games in, in greater detail.
1: Joe and Phil, uh, do we expect any dark horse picks here from Stephen Kenny or do we expect him to go with status quo?
0: I think Conor Ronan, um, if I could pick anyone to come into the team. I think Conor Ronan's performances and certainly some of the goals um, that he's produced in Scotland this season um, uh, was would lead me to believe he's going to be part of the, the setup. If I wanted to go for a real wild card, maybe Festy Evaselli from Derby. I know we're fairly well stocked at right full between Seamus Coleman and Matt Doherty and the the under 20. I expect Evaselli to be part of the under 21 squad, but there's yeah, there's always a chance that he could be, uh, he could be promoted to the, uh the senior side. Just uh, wrap. Bit of a, a random stat. If Stephen Kenny grants a debut to, to three more players, then he'll have he'll have equaled the number of players that um, Brian
2: Kerr gave senior debuts to. Uh, like a new sign uh, and Shea on the way back. Yes, so good to yeah, see him getting back.
0: It'll be interesting to see. He'll have a if new manager. He'll have a new manager at West Brom. You know, will he be part of that new manager's plans for the baggies? I know they've been on a on a, a bad run
2: of form in recent weeks, but they were still in the playoffs. Um, surprised at that second. They the lost yeah. four over the last five. Still surprised though. Yeah. The only other
1: person I can really think of here, and we didn't really mention it, was Gavin Kilkenny with AFC Bournemouth. No, given all the Bournemouth acquisitions in the last week, he hasn't gotten these first team game. And I think we were talking about guys who may need a loan deal. I mean, Maybe Gavin Kilkenny is one of them. He's been out of favour for a little bit. So I don't know about your thoughts there, guys. I mean, seeing a few good signings come through the door there in Bournemouth from Scott Parker. So particularly around that middle third area uh, with Cantwell, a few others. Um, Any thoughts there? Yeah, he would have been an interesting player to go out on loan.
0: Uh, As you say, he's not really part of the the starting 11. Uh, Bournemouth seems to get a run on the side and fits the starts. At the start of the season... He seemed to be very much in, in Scott Parker's thoughts and was playing um, a kind of role that might have been a little unfamiliar to him. Maybe with Bournemouth you know, looking, uh, as we said when we were discussing Mark Travers, with Bournemouth looking almost to start for at least a playoff spot, he might not want to change the team too much. On the other side, he might want to keep Kilkenny fresh for the, the run-in at the end of the season. I don't know if he'd be called into the senior squad at the moment, and I think... He's possibly more likely to be part of the under-21 team uh, when that's announced. I really enjoyed talking about the transfers for Irish players uh, in the January 2022 transfer window. Uh, I'd like to thank Mark and Philip for joining me. Uh, You can follow Mark on Twitter at Hawkeye Psychic, or you can follow Philip at Philip J. Flanagan. As we said, we're going to discuss the two friendlies against Belgium and Lithuania in greater detail in March, but before that, we're going to we're going to record another episode before the end of February, just covering a, a blog post I wrote towards the end of 2021, inspired by a comment made by Ken Early on second captains, saying that he uh, he barely played anyone under the age of 27 and barely brought a new player in in the five years uh, the Italian was in charge, and we're just going to go through. The players that were given debuts, maybe by the last three or four managers, do a bit of a compare and contrast. Who has who's been the biggest success? And as I said, with Stephen Kenny, not too far behind Brian Kerr in terms of players given their senior debut. How do we think he's going to be remembered for the players that he's brought into the the senior side? Uh, I look forward to to talking to you both soon. Thanks, John. Okay. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.